Mini-episode 1339 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You'll want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Night two, uh, speaking of the women's division. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 You forgot about it. You forgot about it. What did I forget? I'm looking at all of these ones. You, 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 forgot, you forgot the women's tag team turmoil match. I, I, mentioned it, I mentioned it very briefly in passing previously, Jake. Very briefly as it deserved. So, oh, no, 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 no. I completely disagree with you, my, my good friend. Okay. I respectfully disagree with you. Okay. I believe this is an opportunity to create a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. The winners of the tag team turmoil match go on to night number two yeah. to face Shayna Baszler and uh, Nia, Jax. Nia Jax. Lana Naomi, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose, the Riot Squad, Natalia, and Tamina. They're going to announce tomorrow night on SmackDown um, that it's going to be um, the fifth team in there is going to be Carmella and Billy Kay. Okay. Now, what I foresee happening at WrestleMania for this is they, they come out, whoever, they're going to be the and they're going to be ready to walk into the ring. And before Billy Kay can even get to go out, they'll do like a backstage bit or whatever. And she'll be like, Carmella's going to look at right, She'll come out on the stage. And Carmella's going to have the microphone and go, you know what? Actually, I I found someone better. And it's going to be Bailey okay. to take her place. So Bailey and Carmella enter. And, and then finally, there's a surprise mystery team. And the iconic music plays. And out comes Peyton Royce. And you know that crowd would go nuts for it. Okay. And um, going in. Or the um, I don't know if I'd have the Iconics be the winners of the match per se. Probably okay. I would have Bailey and Carmella win just to get Bailey on for night number two. Okay. Or they could even I mean yeah. So that's that's just my fantasy booking, and you know it's one of those moments because you know the the crowd has been like, why'd you break up the Iconics? That was stupid. You know they were they were so over. They were like one of the best things on the show. You just split them up, and they haven't done anything with them. So they might as well put them back together and see what you got. Well, as as somebody who referred to them at the time as the colonics, uh, I I could care less if I ever see them tag up again here. Uh, they to tell me, us how you really feel, Rick Morris. Tell yeah, us how you really feel. Yeah, they to me are throwbacks to when there was a worse time in this tag team division. And uh, oh again, god, you know exactly. Oh, oh god, the the, the oh god, that's what's gonna happen. What? Forget the iconics. No, that's what's gonna happen. The mystery team's gonna be. Uh, you can look, but you can't. Touch. Oh dear God, no! Oh dear God, make it stop. <laughs> the Bellas, yeah. And then, and then if they're in it, and then if they're in it, they're gonna win it. <laughs> yeah. And listen, Jake, is it the most WWE thing ever that the Bellas Did going? We just will this into existence? Oh God, I hope not. I'm gonna blame you if it happens, <laughs> Jake. Yeah. You're yeah. welcome. Answer me this, Jake. Is it the most WWE thing ever that the Bellas are in their Hall of Fame before Daniel Bryan? I mean, that sums up the whole company, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Did you you see the Bellas speech? I didn't. Oh, God, it was fantastic. They basically put 
themselves over as being like the um, originators of the uh, women's revolution and being at the forefront. Oh, and God. Stuff. And I'm like, man, I was texted by my wrestling tech group and be like, man, I forgot all the great things, the greatest gifts of the history of women's professional wrestling, the fellas. Like, did you know women's wrestling didn't exist before them? I, I, I'd literally rather watch... Bertie Danielson scrawl on the wall with crayons for two hours before listening to five minutes of a Bella speech. So, uh, no, I didn't catch any of it, and my life is all the richer for the fact that I didn't. So, night two. However, it did, it did have the great line in there of, Big Johnny's our dad. Yeah, that, uh... <laughs> life is weird. Life, life, is, life is very weird. Uh, although... You know, they, they both have a relatively uh, milfy mom, so, you know, thumbs up to Big Johnny there. Uh, he did well uh, on that one, I suppose, for a man of his uh, <laughs> life experience. About, you talk about one of, one of the world's greatest overachievers in life, John Laurinaitis. Yes. Man, no one did so much. No one has done so much with so little. Uh, exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, he wasn't the brother that got to be part of the Road Warriors, but there I say he got to have a relatively decent stink finger in his late to middle age, so there you go. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and again, uh, I, there's no way to, to, to uh, transfer from what I just said there in very poor taste back to a women's tag team title match, but uh, whatever happens, happens there. I seriously couldn't care less. You know, I, this, this entire division stinks, uh, this, this tag division. Uh, I guess that, that's my way of uh, transferring it back somehow to wrestling. The next match here, talk about thrown together. Don't call him Matt Riddle, the, the United States champion, a guy who they beat like a rug for months, only to have him back into the title in a three-way match to take it from Lashley against Sheamus. Uh, this is a match where theoretically they're going to use Sheamus, I guess, to help rebuild Riddle. My guess is Riddle goes over here. And I, I'm a big fan of his when they're not having him do the worst of his lowest common denominator stoner humor, uh, the worst of RVD circa 2000-whatever. Uh, but it, but again, so they're, they're doing their best to dumb Matt Riddle down into a cliche day by day. But uh, I don't think this match will be very good at all, even though it should be pretty decent with the two of these guys. But uh, my guess is Riddle goes over to the extent that I care. Um, this one, I, I agree with you that I think also that uh, Matt Riddle is going to go over on this one. Mm -hmm. um, so, fun little sidebar story on this. So, I am uh, still Facebook friends with Matt Riddle going back to like MMA days. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know, like 10 years ago. So, he named the United States pictures like, every day and posts them with the United States title. Like, just doing random things, like, you know, like hanging out by his pool or going grocery shopping. And he named it Travis. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, just hanging out with Travis. And I'm like, what is this dude? Like, all right, you know. Um, I agree with you. This has the potential to be a really, really good, hard-hitting, like, um, dare I say, like, you know, like the um, MMA style, but like, like a fight, you know. Uh, like, last should be McIntyre should be. Right. I just don't think it's going to be given the amount of time that's necessary right. for it. And I think they're just going to, like, you know, because they, they always have something that's going to be really, really short on the card. I don't think that's going to be this one, but I think you know, maybe six minutes, if that, and kind of get in there and let's do a couple of their big moves and boom, maybe duck a broke kick, whatever his bow Derek is, call it a day, thanks, bye. Well, you know what? Like, much like uh, the scenario you described before with the Bellas, you can blame me if I end up manifesting this into existence, but Vince loves to recycle his worst crap. What if it's Shane and it's in 18 seconds? 
kind of funny uh that uh you know get, getting that uh you know opportunity there uh if you want to call it that uh that would be uh kind of funny we joked before about the repetitiveness of uh owens and zane fight forever this logan paul douche is going to be there for whatever that's worth that'll get him some mainstream rub as far as they're concerned i will say this uh, well i don't i don't know i mean there's there's enough losers who follow this guy followers the guy's got, right? I mean, it's got to carry some kind of stroke. I will say this. I mean, for as thrown together as it is, I mean, Sami Zayn's whole conspiracy theorist thing, this is one of the greatest gimmicks in wrestling today. I mean, this is... I love it. It's entertaining as hell, and, uh, you know, the, the funniest thing is, is that, I mean, by, by all accounts, the, the annoying aspects of his personality are just an amplification, I guess, of what people have found around him for years. I know nothing about the guy personally, so I can't attest to this, but, you know, if it's a whole thing of his personality turned up to 10, by the way, Jake, that would be a great example of why WWE these days sucks, because that's what they used to do. It used to be, you take the guy, you turn his personality up to 10, and there you go. The fact that they're doing it, apparently, with Sami Zayn, and it's one of the only things that's connecting to any degree, is why they suck, because they don't do it with more of these guys. Yeah, um, uh, they definitely tapped into something with him, and, like, you know, because everybody said for years that, you know, he's an annoying, <laughs> an annoying person. Yeah. Um, it's basically, Kevin Owens has been considered like a saint for being the only one who could really put up with Sammy for this a long amount of time. And it's like, it's kind of sad that they didn't have anything better for either one of these guys to do. Right. It's like, it just feels like you're on a treadmill and go, like, you're not in any different of a spot than you were a couple of years ago when, you know, they were teaming up together against Shane and Daniel Bryan. Um, and if anything, they're actually stepped down, dare I say, from well, where they were back then. I mean, here's the, the thing. thing. I'll say this though, and this is something that they got going for them. And I'm not, I'm not comparing either one of them to uh, the the Rock and Stone Cold as great as I, I think both of these guys are. And I'm big fans of both of these guys. But it's like, as far as an enduring dynamic, the fact that we get to see the flipped dynamic. We saw Rock versus Austin with each of them at various times in the roles of face and heel. We're seeing Owens in the role of face against heel Zane, which we never saw in WWE or in Ring of Honor previously with the whole El Generico thing. There's at least the novelty of it, and it's like the, the purest yeah. part of me that looks at guys with the classic rivalries over time, you want to see where in the rivalries where they can be flipped in the roles. And so this is a thing where I feel like it checks off a box in their careers that's unique because they've had a rivalry that's been presented now in two completely different ways. I mean, this one, this, their rivalry has to be in the conversation for one of the greatest rivalries in all pro wrestling. Absolutely. Ever. I mean, it's been from, from its beginnings to, 
happening all the way up to, you know, they're having the WrestleMania match, and, you know, they've been able to adapt, and each one can play either role. I think Sammy is, I think they're cast perfectly now with Kevin Owens as that, like, you know, um, kind of like the wannabe Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of the French Canadian Stone Cold. You right. Know, the PG French Canadian Stone Cold. Right. Just still like, whatever, you know, prize fighter, he's got a family, and Sammy, that stuff. I love the whole um, documentary gimmick. Now, you know how yes. this has to end, right? This has to end with, he's proven right. Like, he gets footage, so he has to be proven right. Right. Because the whole idea of the bad guy, you know, has to be like, and at the end of it, you know, this bit to his office, and he's like, no, no, we can't let him win. No, he's terrible. No, no, we're going to make sure he doesn't win. And like, so like, all the stuff that he played, everyone's like, oh, bullshit. Vince actually did it, and at the end of it, Vince just looks at him and goes, what are you going to do? That would and be. And just like, it's like, oh, it's like, damn it. Like, he's proven right, but at the end of it, doesn't mean that he, nothing happens. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. Um, are you gonna leave? Well, like, no. And then he just kind of—it kind of goes along with this whole like they're against him character, and he knows that they're against him now. But it's just like, what the hell? That would be amazing. It absolutely would be. By the way. Let's let's amplify because I, I feel like we actually made a pretty transcendent point here that we weren't even expecting to make. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Okay, Owens has been a guy who's been on the verge of the main event a couple times in this company, but Sami Zayn has never even sniffed that. So greatest non-main event feud in history. Because I mean, because we're ruling out Rhodes, Flair, Hogan, Savage, Austin, Rock. You're taking all the main event feuds out of it. As far as feuds that weren't main event feuds. And, and even Lawler Dundee was a was a main event feud in its territory. I, I'm, I don't want to say mid card because mid card is too harsh. Let's let's call it upper mid card. Greatest upper mid card feud ever. This is this is at least on a short list. Jake Digman, I stumped you. I stumped you, bro. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it is. It is. Um. It is definitely up there. Yeah. As far as you know, as their overall body of work. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It is. Um. You know, one of the. Uh, you know, one of one of the uh, most formidable rivalries, dare I say, yeah. um, throughout the, uh, the the course of you know, and the fact that it has told so many different chapters and yeah. different you know different iterations and stories and whatnot that have been weaved in and out along the way. That it's um, uh, yeah, it, I you know it's uh, this I, I put that up there. I think of like you know Dreamer Raven. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Good one. Good one. Yeah. Because that was that was rarely. I mean, I guess when Raven was champ, it could have been a main event feud. And I know all the ROH fans are going to say this was a main event feud in ROH. But I mean, and, and I guess it was in NXT. But by and large, in the Raw and SmackDown prism, this has never been a main event feud, and it's not now. So it, it definitely as. as it's not. Let's just say it's not a slam dunk main event feud. Uh, and when you're looking at non slam dunk main event feuds prolonged over a period of time, got to be one of the greatest ever. We'll hand it to them for for getting it on the card in this sense. The next one, having said that, uh, outside of Apollo Cruz's fake Nigerian accent, which is awesome in all the wrong kind of ways of being hilarious, Big E v Apollo Cruz in a Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental Title, which Apollo Cruz, I believe, in his bad Nigerian accent, just said it was just something like I will beat you like a drum like we have in Nigeria I guess that's how it came to be so I don't know it feels like it's going to be some kind of a gimmick so you can get the title on to Cruz this is a carryover match from the previous PPV if you want to even call them PPVs anymore since they're just on Peacock but I mean they don't normally 
carry over even the mid-card matches from the previous month, but they did in this instance, and it's just a rematch. To have Big E go over again feels like it'd be repetitive. It feels like they're trying to build this new Apollo Crews character, which, I mean, I'm in favor of. At least it's something different. At least you're doing something with the guy, and I've considered him to be wasted goods from day one on the main roster here. Maybe this is how you can finally get, you know, something out of Apollo Crews like I thought you could have uh, from day one. And uh, it's not like Big E needs this one here. You can always microwave him, put him in the title scene with Roman Reigns anytime you want to. Oh, he, Rick Morris, he has such faith for things of what could happen. Unfortunately, as great as that sounds, it will not, my friend. Um, the whole idea of what I understand, this was the Nigerian drum battle, which is basically just another name for street fight. Yeah. No disqualification, you know, anything goes. Um, this one, first of all, we have to remember that the um, Biggie's entrance is being performed live by Wale. So you don't usually bring in you know, on the lower cards, you know, the, the musical acts or people who are going to do the J.O.B. that night. Okay. Also, with being a notice well, with it being a notice qualification match, and with um, Kofi and uh, Xavier being free from the night before, since you know they were wrestling before, so they're not doing anything. Um, I see this being a, a, a spot and a moment for a New Day reunion. Biggie win retains the Intercontinental Championship. I don't know. Paula Cruz could have some, somebody come help him. I don't know who it is. You know, it's, you know it could be Massimo, whatever henchman. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, they'll find a reason to have uh, the New Day come out there, and it'll end with Wale and the New Day celebrating with Biggie, and they'll be one of those like, "Hey, look, WrestleMania." Well, all I know is I assume there's going to be some drums out there, even if it's only for decorative purposes, maybe some drumsticks. If we don't get a timpani spot on somebody's nutsack, then what are we even doing here, Jake Digman? <laughs> you know, what's the point You're if you right. don't... Right. You have to have that, don't you? I mean, I would laugh. I'm not a very mature individual, but I would laugh if that happened. So you have that going on. Uh, remember that I said night two, that there were uh, two matches, I thought, that were either main event or semi-main event caliber. We're down to three at this point. So you must be thinking, uh, based on the star power as WWE sees it, that one of these would be the blow-off, apparently, of this plain wrestling match between The Fiend and Randy Orton. But no, we're talking about this one next, so that's not one of the two. This is, uh, again, uh, for, for a match that would have been made for a cinematic type of deal, I mean, they've done that before with these two to varying degrees and with varying amounts of quote-unquote success. Uh, they had one of the worst uh, WWE Championship matches in the history of WrestleMania, Bugs crawling on the screen a couple of years back. I think it was at Mania 33. Uh, the, the same feud that po had Randy Orton posing next to a tree when uh, there was a shack on fire. I just remember that image for some reason and laughing about that with you. That happened. That happened. That happened. And, uh, again, as, as, as much as... Uh, you know, the, the male fan in us uh, has, I'm sure, great degrees of appreciation, shall we say. Is that the tasteful way of putting it for what they're doing with Alexa Bliss these days? Uh, that, that's as tasteful as I can be in describing that. But uh, anyways, what else is there to say about this? I mean, this is, this is modern WWE in a nutshell. Everything they're doing with this. And it's one of the reasons, quite frankly, people crap on the promotion as much as they do these days. Because uh, they're, they're missing the mark with everybody. You're not even hooking the kids' audience for something this lame. Well, it, 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 an interesting take, Rick, as earlier 
earlier on when you were talking about uh, how much you appreciate my girlfriend's taste yeah. on uh, uh, wrestling. This is the match that her and myself is also uh, looking forward to a lot to see is the, um, uh, the, Fiend v. Bray, the Fiend v. Randy Orton match. I've got a feeling that this is going to be the squash of the night. Okay. Fiend's just going to squash him and Randy's going to go on vacation as he should because he's worked his ass off during the entire pandemic era. I was going to say stale AF, but that's just me. Yeah, so he's like, you know, whatever. But like, he needs to go away. Yes. So I see this as a, you know, the, um, uh, yeah, I see this as being the, the reason for him to go away. Very similar, very similar to the uh, dollar squashing that took place at SummerSlam when the team first showed up. Okay. Just reinvent him, have him take order now, uh, you know, with entrances and hype video. Hey, uh, listen, I, I'm a man that can be bribed. If, if this thing ends in 30 seconds, I'll give it four stars. That, that's my bribe offer uh, for them here. I just, just get this off my screen. I don't care. Uh, if you want to get a little bit of uh, twerking from Demon Alexa Bliss at the end for the, uh, the sake of the male audience, uh, good on you. But, uh, you know, that's that's about all that I would have to say about that. It, it, it's, it's such a, when you talk about the wasted potential of modern WWE, the fact that we're down to two matches, and I consider one of these two to be worthy of at least a semi-main event spot, and realistically probably no higher than that. And there's been no build to it. But Asuka v. Rhea Ripley, this should be awesome. You you look at the two of them and, and, and what they can bring to this, and this is one where, much like Bianca Belair on night one, because again, and, and I was kind of arguing with a few friends a little bit who thought that it was such a great thing Bianca Belair won the Royal Rumble, and my thing was, yeah, but it was such a crime what was done to Rhea Ripley last year and the way she fell off the face of the earth immediately thereafter, giving her a redemption moment here. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's it, Asuka at this point, I mean, she's gotten more over as a baby face than I think we really could have thought and she's she's finally recovered from being beaten by Charlotte many years ago at, at WrestleMania because she fell off the face of the earth had to turn heel to get her heat back uh she she's got heat even though they 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 take her for granted. They never use her. Uh, they know they can just trot her out whenever they need her. But it's a match that really should be awesome. Uh, it should be a great slobber knocker. We were talking about this last year, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I thought it was the best match on the card. And it was a thing where and we were talking about you know, some of the all-time guys, like Valter and Vader. What if you saw it had those two in there? I mean, Asuka's not as tall as Charlotte. She doesn't have quite the same leverage, but she's still kind of a powerhouse in her own right. Uh, Rhea's a definite powerhouse. Uh, this should be one where, again, they just beat the piss out of each other, and I think it has a chance to be the best match of uh, Mania weekend, just like Rhea and Charlotte was, in my estimation, a year ago. Yeah, I agree with you, and, I mean, uh, Rhea has to win, right? She you has know, to. You have to, and, you, you, and then immediately you have Charlotte Flair come back tomorrow night, the Monday Night Raw, the night yep. after, and you've already got your built-in program ready to go. Yeah. And somebody else who also deserves some take a little vacation is Asuka, who has also worked her ass off during the entire pandemic era. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's there's possibly, like, whenever they do a draft again, you know, maybe Asuka next time can move to SmackDown, and you can kind of vary her opposition there a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Rhea and Charlotte, and again, it, it's funny, too, that, I mean, Charlotte is 
I mean, maybe she is starting to somewhat get to the point because, uh, again, supposedly there's been some Hollywood interest. I don't know. We would not yet consider her to be a part-timer, but she was off for an awful long period of time, came back as off again due to a COVID scare, and then allegedly, depending on who you believe, a pregnancy scare as well, potentially here. I really thought they were going to shoehorn her into this and make it a three-way match, and quite frankly, that would have been pretty awesome if they had, uh, especially if Rhea was still going over because then there would be a lot of history, because it's both Asuka and Rhea that had lost to, uh, you know, help keep Charlotte strong, you know, at past WrestleManias here. There would have been a lot of history uh, in that whole thing if it was a three-way match. But, uh, yeah, Rhea as champion, hopefully defending against Charlotte for at least a period of time before Charlotte inevitably gets the belt back. Uh, Yes, there's a lot of things they can do, and this is a thing where, and this is, you know... I think Vince takes for granted that people could always be rehabilitated later on. Not everybody can, but the great talents can. And Rhea Ripley can definitely be rehabilitated for what they did with her a year ago if she wins at Mania and has a good reign after that. Yeah, absolutely. So, because she showed up at WrestleMania last year, and then all of a sudden, like, it was really weird. Like, she went back to NXT, and then all of a sudden, like, they were booking her like, oh, hey, she's leaving, so she's putting over, you know, the new stars on her way out. Right. But then she just kept doing it. one thing Andrade wasn't saying, and that was, why that's impossible, why we never, I, I distinctly didn't hear that from the man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, no, the, we, uh, yeah, exactly, uh, I, we're, we're both talking about her pulling Andrade, right? Yes. Okay, that, okay, that's what I thought, but anyways, um, as far as, Rhea, I think, didn't she have a visa issue or something right after WrestleMania last year? So she wasn't even right in the mix right away. She was out of it, and part of it was, I think it was a mixture of a visa issue and the pandemic. So she was off the radar. Then she came back, and it was an underwhelming return, and it was it was just dog crap. It's shameful what they did with one of their best talents over the last year. And by the way, too, they always count on us having the shortest memories, and for for good reason, because only people like me and you remember things like this. We should remember this next year at Royal Rumble time, when it becomes a thing of like, you gotta win this match if you want to wrestle for a women's title at WrestleMania. Rhea strolled out two weeks before Mania, challenged Asuka, got a yes, and that was that, because they had nobody else, okay? So, <laughs> don't believe the hype next January, okay? Because you can always always get a shot later on basically for no reason whatsoever. So, even with no build, this is one of the biggest half, matches. Half the time, the person you think is going to win doesn't win, just so somebody else can win, so then they can have the person you thought was going to win. Exactly. Exactly. Because, because swerve. I swear to God, uh, you know, Vince Russo isn't dead, but it's like the, the ghost of Vince Russo is working there half the time. So, uh, again, that to me... Bro. Yeah, bro. That, that to me... Boo, it's going to be 
bro. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the semi-main event match to me is Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Uh, few, if any, might agree with me on that, but that's how I see it. So to me, the undeniable main event of night two is going to be uh, the guy who uh, has, has devoted his entire thing now to a dinner gimmick. He's the head of the table. Uh, Roman Reigns is the guy sitting at the head of the table. That's his entire gimmick now. Versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan. Triple threat for the Universal Championship. And again, the subtext to this, which doesn't really get talked about much in the programming, is the whole real-life thing here. Three guys who had either health-threatening or, in, in some cases, life-threatening issues that caused them to go away. Uh, for Roman Reigns, it was life-threatening in terms of re- recurrence of leukemia. For Edge and Daniel Bryan, uh, physical health in terms of spinal stenosis and concussions, uh, respectively, in their cases. Uh, and, and again, there, there could perhaps be legitimate questions as to you know, how suited they are to even be in there in a day and age where AEW has come along and provided competition in terms of a willingness to sign guys like they just did with Christian Cage, which, by the way, and I love Christian Cage, and I'm glad to see him back out there. I just hope it doesn't prove to be a bad decision for him as well. But anyways, let's just assume for the sake of argument these three uh, are not uh, taking years off their life being in this match, and uh, it should be a really good one. There should be a lot of really excellent spots, and there's a school of thought that you have Roman Reigns take this, go all the way through uh, champ match versus uh, The Rock next year. I think you've said on the show previously you don't think that match needs the belt, and you're right. That's a match that's bigger than the belt. But uh, a sense of... I get the sense that they haven't built anybody big enough necessarily to take the title off them. Not to say that they won't, but the buildup for Edge has been kind of weak. That's why they had to bring Daniel Bryan in. Daniel Bryan's already come up short previously a couple times here for, for the belt. So, I mean, had they had they done a solid, consistent build-up, say, for example, with Big E, like a couple people thought they might do, you could be like, okay, Big E, has he's building up to this moment, he's peaking, this is going to be the moment. My guess is, in the end, it's going to be Edge getting his hand raised, uh, because I think they're going to want the happy ending at the end of the night. It'll be a short-lived reign, no pun intended, because they're going to want it back on Roman, but... Uh, uh, I, I just I get the sense it's going to be flatter than it could have been because I don't think they built Edge the way they should have coming into this thing here. And uh, the, the fact that he's now solidly in the tweener role with pure babyface uh, Daniel Bryan being in there, uh, I don't know. I think I think the match is going to be better than whatever the outcome is, if that makes any sense. Um, that does make sense. I actually am going to disagree with you on this one. I actually see them uh, going with the Daniel Bryan route and him winning the championship, um, foregoing the fact that he already won the championship and went like, to become one of the most awesome versions of the new Daniel Bryan ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the redemption story arc, and I think that he can, and you, you have a built-in reason at the next pay-per-view where you can do Edge versus Daniel Bryan, and it gives Roman also, again, the theme you're going to see with me here on this one, also a chance to take a little bit of time off. And okay. And uh, not be on TV. Well, and, then, uh, and then not be on... Uh, TV for a little bit, you know, and kind of keep the act up. The only thing is that he would have to pin Edge because I don't see them taking the belt off of. I, I don't see Roman um, being the one to go down unless it, you know it's like a super Herculean tag team effort or something like that. You know what's hilarious is the common denominator in this is Paul Heyman. A Paul Heyman guy uh, is not in a three-way match 
going to take the fall at a mania. You go back to uh, 2015 here. Roman Reigns had to take the fall when Seth, Rain Seth Rollins got inserted so they could get the belt off of Brock without him doing the J-O-B on the PPV. I agree with you. I don't think Roman Reigns is laying down for either guy. I think that's going to add yeah. some heat later on to, you never beat me. Exactly. It'll add heat to the idea. Because you got to think that the payoff of this is going to be the Rock versus Roman. You or, do. Uh, the head of the table, whatever that is. I was going to say, I, I hope you mean the way that gets put around the neck as opposed to the other kind, because that could be kind of gross. But, uh, you know, as where, far... where does your mind go, Rick Morris? That is disgusting. The, 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 same, the, the, same, the same place most Kyle people... Ross would be so disappointed in you. Uh, first of all, no, he wouldn't. That's his exact sense of humor. Number two, the same place everybody's mind goes when you use the phrase, get laid. Our, our minds all go in that same direction, comedic or otherwise. And seen such compelling WWE cultural uh, sensitivity since Tatanka showed up for a vignette on a reservation one time in full wrestling gear. But uh, as, as far as this goes here, uh, you know... <laughs> I think, which, uh, but by the way, I think it was the Brian and Vinny show that revisited that, uh, that I was, I was checking out recently. So props to them for making fun of that in the way that it deserved to be made fun of. But this is a match where I, I guess I should probably bring this full circle by saying this. And because I've crapped on this enough, look, if Daniel Bryan wins and is champion and gets any kind of chance to do anything, then I will have to eat my words a little bit because he's just about my favorite wrestler of today. I, I think he is on a very, very short list uh, of the greatest wrestlers of the 21st century. You mentioned AJ Styles before. He'd be on the list. Daniel Bryan has to be on the list. And here's the thing, too. Daniel Bryan is a guy who deserves to be mentioned with Chris Jericho. We've come to regard Chris Jericho as... Out of all the wrestlers of today, and maybe even throughout history, the greatest reinventor of all time. Daniel Bryan, with all of his incarnations from the American Dragon to uh, the Yes Man to uh, Champion of the Planet to everything, versus this is more of a kind of low-key, I just love wrestling, babyface, uh, Daniel Bryan, white meat, but it works. I mean, Daniel Bryan could make anything work, even white meat. Uh, that Daniel Bryan's a guy that we never thought could have been booed at the height of the Yes movement, uh, and he got the piss booed out of him in the middle of Kofi Mania at WrestleMania two years ago. Daniel Bryan can do anything. So if we're going to give props to Chris Jericho for all of this, as we should, we should remember Daniel Bryan when it's all said and done as being on the same level for reinvention. The man just keeps finding new ways to make it happen and get over. Oh, yeah. Diametrically, <laughs> diametrically. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it, it is, so is that fair to say we persuaded you onto the uh, Daniel Bryan going over scenario? Yeah, I, you know what, I'll, I'll co-sign on that. I still think it's more likely to be Edge, but uh, I, I want to hold out hope that it could be Daniel Bryan. And here's the thing, too, and this is, Daniel Bryan did something that I don't... <sighs> 
Chris Chris Jericho on many 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 occasions has put his ego aside. So I don't I don't want to say he wouldn't do this. But one of Daniel Bryan's incarnations on the Indies to get heat as a heel. Do you remember the nickname that he got for his one finishing maneuver on the Indies? Mr. Small Package. Yes. Would Chris Jericho ever call himself Mr. Small Package? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, he told some uh, great stories on that. Like, it's actually, I think, um, what was one of the wrestle Daniel Bryan, I mean, it was one of the wrestle on SummerSlam match, I think, with Miz or something. Because it was was the match with Miz, he beat him with a small package. Yeah. And he was like, no, you can't win with a small package. He's like, no, that's no. And he's just like, yeah. And he's like, you know, and he's like, yeah, for a long time I was Mr. Heathen. I was trying to get it over. (laughs) I mean, that's that's so good. If you ever want to find an example of a wrestler's t-shirt that I might laugh at but would never wear, that would be it. I wouldn't want to walk through a mall wearing a Mr. Small Package t-shirt. Right. But it's pretty funny. It is funny. And I don't know. I, that, you know, I think when I, when I think of, uh, when I think of Daniel Bryan, back to Bryan Daniels, I think back of the days of the old Sunday Night Submission day, and one yeah. time I was in front of the boards for the boys, and um, he was on the show. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, Ring of Honor was coming to Cleveland. I don't know if you remember that. Like Ray I Bob do. Yes, yes. Uh, Survival of the Fittest 06. I was at that. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and Brian Danielson was coming on the show. And I'm like, I'm like, hello. And I'm like, I call him. And I'm like, hey, so you listen. He goes, no, I don't have the internet. I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, he's like, yeah, I don't have the internet. I'm like, oh, okay. And then he just baffled me in 2000 and what was that? Five. Six. That was six. Yeah. He said he didn't have the internet. And I'm like, no. right and i i will say this that it's a thing where uh the the, the roh shows back then so i think there was maybe more than one show that, that a couple of us were at so i don't remember which one but if you go back to fdh lounge mini episode either 22 or 23 it's somewhere in there there's an entire mini episode that is nothing but me recapping to kyle ross the story of you getting kayfabe by Jimmy Jacobs at the ROH show. Us poking fun at you relentlessly and then freaking out that yuppie couple in the elevator that they were going to some Playhouse Square event and we're laughing and screaming about this thing and you're defending yourself passionately that you weren't kayfabe and this yuppie couple is just looking like they would eat through the wall to get away from us. I mean, I'm not doing justice to the story. Check out the story it's an entirety, people. That's one of the greatest friggin' things of all time. <laughs> yes, check this out. Because the best part is when we were like, when the doors open, all three of us just like busted out laughing. Yeah. Like, I remember that. We all just busted out like, oh my god. 
Well, and the other thing, I, got work, I, can, I didn't know what a gimmick was. Well, and the semi-main event to the story, if you will, fittingly enough, is when you were outside getting kayfabe by Jimmy Jacobs, I was in there regaling Kyle, and he didn't, obviously, because of state of mind that night, shall we say, that's a good euphemism, he didn't happen to remember this, so he was reacting to it with such laughter as though he was hearing it for the first time. I was telling him my idea for an aftermag headline for a feud that I proposed where uh, JBL would come out and attack Muhammad Hussein. And the, 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 the cover would read on Pro Wrestling Illustrated, APA, uh, always protecting America, how Muhammad Hussein awakened the APA in JBL. That is so horrible. I love it. <laughs> but you know what? That is it, the exact thing. I can see that on the cover of, like, you know, Inside Wrestling. Yeah, or The Wrestler, wrestler, yes. Uh, Maybe not the fine caliber of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, but one of the two lesser ones might have had that. But, you know, one of the dirtbags, you know. Why the Kita Koloff is going to face Hulk Hogan and what you need to know. I cry for Magnum TA. I still remember my friends in school quoting that mockingly. I cry for Magnum TA. And then one, one of my friends was like, he's turned into such a pansy, they should just have him come out to the Elton John Nikita music. I'm like, that would be funny, actually. <laughs> so, um, um, to bring it back. Yes, to somewhat. Yes. You know, back to, so, back to WrestleMania here. So here's an <laughs> idea, too, that I've, I've heard um, milled about the idea before was made a three-way, and he mentioned you know, Edge going over. Yes. And that he gets rid of the Universal title that he gets back the World Heavyweight, brings back the World Heavyweight title that he never lost. Interesting. And it gives him a reason to get rid of the Universal title, which is stupid. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> and I so dumb. I agree. But then it's like, okay, but then we're back to square one again. So it's like, okay. But <laughs> here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, Jake, is for them, it's all about marketing, selling belts, is the is bringing back the big gold belt enough of a novelty that they're going to sell more of those versus the belts they sell now? I just don't see it. I don't know. I don't see a lot of the big gold belts around when I'm doing my uh, my shopping. But um, I do see a heck of a lot. Man, if you want to buy an AEW toy belt, those things are everywhere. Yeah, those well, you can find them in every aisle or everywhere. And so is the uh, a lot of the SmackDown tag team championships are everywhere. Like there's so many. Well, I'll tell you what, Jake Digman. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put over this purchase here. Even the big gold belt uh, pales in comparison to my purchase. A better version of the big gold belt is the now-defunct IWGP Championship. Highly recommend that to anybody out there that wants to get a belt. you got to get it off of Amazon, I guess. But uh, you want you want to go oh, get one? one? That, that's a better version. I have the IWGP, which has now been retired, sadly enough, in favor of the IWGP world and they, title. Yeah, and they were it does look like a Divas title. It looks so much worse. It's yeah, I, I have the like, cool how did one. You go from, like, how did you go from like the most beautiful belt of all time? It is a beautiful to, belt. Or one of them to the Divas title. Like, it, at what point did no one look at it and go, dude, that looks like, like a tramp stamp? It's a, it does. It does. It's on a short list of the best ones. I was going back and forth between that one and the Triple Crown one, and I just decided I got it. The IWGP one was just too badass, and I'm glad I made the call, and I'm sad that they... My prediction is they'll bring it back at some point. They'll phase out the tramp stamp because that's not going to get over with their hardcore audience. That's an audience where people love wrestling. No. 
too much. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's not, I agree with you. And, and, and on a real show like Wrestle Kingdom next year, we'll see the real belt uh, back here as we talk about WrestleMania and we bring it full circle. So, uh, Jake Digman, uh, a true pleasure to uh, break, get to break this down with you and what I thought at the outset was going to be a uh, WrestleMania segment that we do as opposed to what will now end up being our WrestleMania 37 miniseries preview. So, always a pleasure, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And before we go, real quick, what's, uh, what's, what, they always say do that WrestleMania surprise. What do you think the WrestleMania surprise is going to be? That's a good one. Uh, my, my thought is, uh, you know what? I'm just I'm not going to stray too far from what the formula has been. Probably Steve Austin comes out to give somebody a stunner and catch with some beers, even though they fired the guy that throws the beers to him. So I guess that's my my All thought right. here. Well, what, what's yours? Uh, mine is during the Hall of Fame ceremony, mm-hmm. and um, the, uh, you know they all they're all standing on the stage, whatever. When yeah. They announce the 2021 class. Because I'm, I'm assuming they're 2020. I know where you're. Oh, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this, and this is awesome. Go ahead. Okay. Since that, that's apropos, you propose something between the two. Since, as I always look at the picture from that political fundraiser, and I always refer to you as the long lost third brother of destruction, I gotta be honest with you. I, I the idea that I had that I thought you were gonna say is actually cooler and funnier, and that is that while Kane is out, it also cir- circles around Kane that he's out there and he's you know he's on stage and he's accepting his moment in the spotlight. That somebody comes out and tries to attack him. Who do you think that would be? Pete Rose. Pete Rose. <laughs> and then we get to see him do another tombstone pile driver on Pete Rose on stage. I like that my idea. Be, about it. Okay. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yes. That's the thing you can do with the, the thing you can do also. You can actually have him drag him down to the ring too and do it. Yes. Yes. And it'd be in the ring, and also once he gets in the ring, and all of a sudden, like that's when he, you know, just rips off the tuxedo. Yeah, rip off the tuxedo and become Pete. He probably does. Have a rip-off tuxedo, make it look really good. It rips off your your wrestling costume underneath it. Boom, done. You know? And then he's Kane. And everyone's like, yeah. Well, you know. That would be good, but we've gone, off, we've, we've, gone, we've gone off the rails. Well, 
let, let me let me go off the rails one more bit here before we end it, and that would be, however, this whole segment ends. The last thing he needs to do, uh, particularly if he's in the Kane regalia, that would make it even better, as opposed to the citizen Kane get up, is if he growls into the camera. My reelection campaign has started. Donate at uh, donate to Kane.org or whatever the thing is. And if he gets in a fundraising plea, that would be amazing, Jake. I, I would. I oh would. my God, let's go. Let's go totally weird with it. All right, you know when he does the fire thing. Yeah. But instead of his music, it, he's in the full game regalia. It just goes to like his campaign music. And he just like walks around, just like you know, all of a sudden all these people come out and like, Len Jacobs. <laughs> I would. <laughs> and he just walks around like, hey, everybody, hi, how you doing? Jake, I'm about to take this even further into fever dream territory. I feel like we're sort of in can you top this mode. But if Pete Rose is out there attacking him, do you know who I want to see come in and attack Pete Rose and help Kane turn the tide? De- depending on how the old guy is feeling at this stage of life, Dr. Ron Paul. I think that's what we need. <laughs> we definitely gone off the rails. I think we have. You know what? The last the last thing anybody needs is for Dr. Rock Paul to be going anywhere near Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It, at his That's age. Terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> don't need him anywhere near yeah, I think I've hit... going to go down there and be like, I got an idea. Let's just open up the doors. Everybody gets free tickets. We're going to fill this place up. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I, I, I think we are rapidly... I had, I had no audience. I don't even need people. Yeah. We're, 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 we're rapidly hitting the nadir of ideas here uh, at this point. So we've truly given everybody our all on this subject, as we always do. So, uh, Jake Digman, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for being here for our WrestleMania 37 series. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to these many episodes of the FDH Lounge.